The first three months of 2022 were a whirlwind for me. I had some really low lows and some really high highs. I was stretched and tested emotionally. I was pushed to tears on a few occasions, both tears of joy and tears of sadness and pain. I questioned myself deeply at some moments and was then able to find myself again. I suppose time will tell if that's really the case, but my instincts tell me that I did. Despite the turbulence of life that I experienced, I still managed to take the time to write about my experiences each night, which has been a grounding and rejuvenating experience for me. I've since taken the time to review my writings over that time and to identify my key learnings from this quarter of the year. And thus, here you have an articulation of my learnings from these tumultuous times. I hope you find them to be insightful and meaningful. First, a great way to get to know someone is through having difficult conversations and disagreeing with them. Typically, we strive to develop friendly relationships with others by talking about the things we agree on and not looking for the places where we may disagree. This certainly keeps our exchanges light and amicable, but how much does that really teach us about another person? Disagreement shows us where our values and ways of seeing the world diverge from those of others. It also shows us the ability of another person to deal with two separate and potentially competing realities in their head at once. How do they respond to something with which they disagree? Do they get angry? Are they able to reconcile their point of view with theirs? Do they continue to respect you? Are they curious to learn more about why you think something different from what is in their head? Then, even beyond those questions which we may ask about them, we can turn around and ask them about ourselves. Disagreement is not just a great way to learn about others. It is also a way to learn who we are, how we interact with others, and our own mental abilities and reactions. Our brain systems for various domains of goal attainment and need fulfillment are the same. Another interesting learning from the Huberman Lab podcast. The neural pathways that handle experiences like hunger, social interaction, and goal achievement overlap as they all fit under the same umbrella of need fulfillment and more quote-unquote rewarding experiences, which are all modulated by similar neuromodulators like dopamine and serotonin. In reflecting on the relevance of this in my own life, I've realized just how easily this can play out. There have been plenty of occasions in which I felt hungry and then had that feeling relieved completely through an engaging social interaction, through exercise, or through the completion of some assignment that I had had on my to-do list. In paying attention to the feelings of achieving goals, relieving hunger, and having positive social interactions with others, I've noticed how similar those experiences are in how they manifest themselves in our physiological sensations. Do not underestimate the potential of new information to change your current point of view. Time and time again, I've held a certain view or I've made a claim about something, all to see myself acquire new information and have to shift because of that information. I once thought that the vegan diet was the healthiest diet in the world and that people should stop eating meat. I once thought that the solution to all political issues, both domestically and internationally, was through government programs. I once thought that Portuguese was an ugly language and the music in the language was not enjoyable. These are fairly benign examples, but all those things are no longer true because of new information that I acquired, which led me to a new perspective. Despite these evolutions of opinion, I frequently tell myself that I still do not have all the all the information, and that it's possible that I am missing something important. Being flexible in this way has helped me to better cope with reality. Sticking my feet into certain beliefs has never led me to better alignment with what is true. The pursuit of truth 
is a dynamic journey. Information is infinite, and our capacity for storing and sifting through it is not. This inequality leads us to an inevitable likelihood of being wrong about many things in our current beliefs. So don't hold your convictions too tightly. Be cautious in staking strong claims. Ask yourself, how can I really know this? And see where that takes you. Winning the battles, day in and day out, makes you almost a sure fit to win the war. We frequently hear the phrase, lose the battle, win the war. It certainly is okay to lose a battle or two on the way to winning in the long run, and the, the strategy involved in being two or three steps ahead is admirable and important. Nevertheless, I believe that thinking this way can lead us to devalue winning the battle that is sitting right in front of us, that is in fact winnable. When you wake up in the morning and feel a little off, it's easy to tell yourself that today is not the day to go out for a run. When the food in the refrigerator doesn't appear to be too appetizing to you, it's easy to give up and get some fast food. When the evening comes and the TV is on because your roommate or family member is watching it, it's easy to just plop yourself down and watch alongside them instead of identifying what it is that you want to get done to keep pushing and growing in the ways that you have set out as goals for yourself. Sometimes we really do need to go the easy way because there are too many constraints pulling us away from being able to do the harder thing well. Our first inclination should not be to go the easy way though. If we're not consistently making the effort and executing, then we're more and more likely to lose the battles which comprise the war. Making the maximum effort to win the battles, day in and day out, brings us closer and closer to where we want to be as individuals. I would also argue that it can bring us closer to where we want to be as a society as well, depending on the type of person you're striving to be, of course. Key qualities of leadership to which we should aspire. A great leader welcomes new perspectives, checks its ego at the door, is humble in their convictions of their own beliefs, makes decisions that bring us together, and recognize all of us where we are, and allows the truth to, identif to unite us and to set us free. These seem pretty standard if you listen to anything about leadership in popular media, yet it seems to be quite hard to be a person like this in practice from what I've been able to observe in my short life. Being this kind of a leader requires reflection, self-awareness, and practice. Very, very few people naturally exhibit these characteristics and behavioral patterns. For the great majority of us, being this way requires work. The work is hard, but it is deeply rewarding when you get to see people genuinely bask in it, embrace it, and be empowered by it. I will warn us about this though. Many of us think that we are this kind of leader already. I would encourage us to more deeply encourage to more deeply examine this by asking around for honest opinions and feedback. Where could I improve? Which of these characteristics is my weakness? Asking these questions and being open to the implications of the responses can be transformative. Cherish what you have and what you don't have. Gratitude is something that is really important to me, yet it is simultaneously nebulous and overwhelming. The list of things one can be grateful for is immense and seemingly never-ending. It can also provoke anxiety and questions like, why me? Which, can, which we can struggle to answer in a sufficient way. I've learned to stop asking myself that question, as I've had to accept that there is no good answer to that question that one can support with inarguable evidence. Maybe I'm wrong, but it has been a conclusion that has lightened the burden on my, on my shoulders. This acceptance has coincided with a deeper acceptance of what I am fortunate both to have and not to have in life. I emphasize the things that we can be grateful for that we do not have here as well, 
as we can often fall into spirals of thinking in which we want to have more and more to be happy. Some additions can certainly make our lives better, yet removing things has that same power, which is why we should not solely confine ourselves to gratitude on the positive side. Gratitude for what we do not have is also a meaningful reflection on which we can benefit from being more aware. Live a life of what a way to spend the day. My girlfriend and I watched the movie Tick, Tick, Boom during a FaceTime date in January. The movie was quite moving. One of the most memorable parts is when the protagonist is playing the piano alone in Central Park and sings a song which centers around what it means to live a good life. The phrase that he repeats in the song is, what a way to spend the day. In our conversation about the movie afterwards, we discuss the implications of that song specifically and what it could look like to live a life in which we aimed to be able to say that phrase at the end of the day. Can it be every single day? That seems tough, but could it be a few days each week? Could it at least be a few days each month? I think so. And I think that striving to live a life that allows us to say this phrase more and more could amount to be quite a meaningful and beautiful one. That's where I'll pause for today. Uh, I'll be back soon with more of this. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, found it valuable, found it interesting. And um, I'll be back soon. Cheers.